This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. We talk about inspiration a lot here on Revision Path, so I wanted to ask Carla Cole, a product designer at Facebook, what inspires her? What inspires me? As a designer, I'm inspired really uh, by a lot of things outside of design. Uh, Sports, sneakers, uh, a lot of uh, old music, old movies. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Syracuse University is looking for a web analytics architect. Mapbox is looking for a front-end engineer. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for design writers as well as a brand marketing strategist. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Join more than 15 million people who use MailChimp to not only send emails, but to grow their businesses on their own terms. Just this week, they've rolled out free automation for all MailChimp customers, which is a huge deal. So if you want to set up drip campaigns, if you do e-commerce or anything like that, automation is just such a huge asset to what you do. So make sure you sign up with MailChimp today. MailChimp, send better email. When you have a great idea for a project, you need to give it a great domain name. And guess what? Finding the perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. You know, domain names aren't just for websites. You can also use them to create a more professional on-brand email address. Because, I mean, if you've already got the domain that you want, why not just go the extra step with your email address as well? And if you need a hand, Hover's awesome support team is there to help you. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash revision path. Hover, domain names for your ideas. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional, business, or enterprise projects. So whether you're building something custom or you're using a CMS like WordPress, SiteGround will let you build better, faster, safer websites more easily, and they offer multiple hosting options that your websites can grow into. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path and get 60% off on all hosting plans. We've got a new review this week on Apple Podcasts. This comes from a former guest from Brian Hollingsworth, and here's the review. I always tune in and get up-to-date, relatable, creative content, as well as connections to people I otherwise would have not. Great stuff. Keep it coming. 
thanks again so much, Brian. And again, for those of you who really like the show and you leave us a review, we'll read it right here on the show. Now for this week's interview, I'm talking with RJ Harrington, partner and lead creative of 20 and 3 here in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, Maurice. I am RJ Harrington, and I am the partner and lead creative with 20 and 3. We are a one-stop creative shop. We focus on photography, brand design, and uh, and just branding in general. Anything you need to get started um, as an entrepreneur. Now, where did the name 20 and 3 come from? That's an interesting story. Thank you for asking that. So uh, 20 and 3 comes from my favorite scripture, which is Psalm 23.1. I was getting ready to quit my job and um, in corporate America, I was in marketing and presentation. Um, I was specializing in marketing and presentations. And when I was getting ready to leave, I was like, okay, God, if you want me to do this on my own, I have to know that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to pay my rent, my mortgage. I'm going to be able to eat uh, and, and those things. And so I just picked up on the 23rd Psalm, which was, um, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And so I was like, okay, if I'm not going to lack anything, I'll do this. And so, uh, 20 and three comes from the 23rd Psalm. So nice. I like that. So yeah. you, you got the idea to start it. I mean, aside from, you know, what you just mentioned, you mm-hmm. were about to quit your job and mm-hmm. that's kind of where it, it, uh, the idea to start it came from. Exactly. And so after grad school in 2005, um, I've always been kind of in the business, but it's always been on the side, right? So I'd always been doing what I do now, but for someone else, Mm -hmm. whether it was in healthcare, whether it was for the government, I was doing the same thing. I was doing branding and designing logos and working on websites and um, helping people um, get their departments up and running, but it was always on the side. So you know, it's, there's always a transition when you decide to do this full time. So yes, I was doing this on the side and I finally said, okay, how long RJ, are you going to do this on the side when this is your true passion? You really want to do this for yourself and not work for anybody else. And so for me, that was that leap of faith moment was when I was in corporate America in February, uh, two years ago. And I said, it's time. It's either now or it's now or never. If I don't do it now, I'm going to be sitting in a rocking chair when I'm 90, wishing I had tried it. <laughs> and how's business been so far? It's been really great. Uh, you know, just in true honesty and transparency, when I first got started, it was a little rocky. It was a little difficult. I didn't really know how to reach out to people in my network. I didn't really know how to network in general. Um, it's something that uh, always made me a little nervous, right? I always kind of felt like networking was being fake in kind of in a way. Um, and I didn't want to, you know, Hey, here's my business card, call me. And I didn't really know about organic networking at that time. So, um, it was a little difficult, but kind of as time went on and I started to realize that it didn't necessarily mean that I had to go and stick my business card in someone's face. It could just be a chance meeting or someone could connect me with someone else or just strike up a conversation with someone and start talking about my business. That's when things really started to pick up for me and things have been, um, so much better since. You know, I was just talking um, on the last episode with uh, Tony Patterson. She has mm-hmm. her own kind of branding uh, branding company called Sky Media Group. And we, we talked about networking as well. I know for her, she said that she really didn't like networking. And it mm-hmm. got to the point where, 
you know, it just didn't feel like it was fruitful for her. And I know that right. I live in all times where I'm going to events and it feels like I'm trading business cards. Right. She started something called Sky Soiree, which is sort of this event that she could kind of control herself and put together that has like speed networking and things. I love and, it. and you have something called 23 meetups. The 23. I do. I do. So the 23 meetups, uh, it's interesting. I, we normally get people that give us a call and say, Hey, can you come and consult with us? Can you talk to us about our business? Um, and we realize just in general, we love talking to people. We love talking to entrepreneurs and people that are just getting started. And it really just depends on, um, let me go back. Everyone's in a different stage, um, with entrepreneurship. Some people are creating their business plan. Some people are really just trying to research and figure out what exactly they want to do. Some people have already jumped in. They've got their website, their business cards. Um, but with the 23 meetups, we get together uh, with entrepreneurs wherever they are um, in the process. And we sit down and we talk to you about, you know, your branding, what's needed, where you are in the process. Do you need help getting connected with someone else? Do you need help with a website? Um, and so it's really just our way of giving back to the community and letting people know you have support, you have someone to talk to, you don't have to do this thing alone. Um, and we're available to walk them through the process. Um, we actually have people also that can help with um, getting started with your LLC, you know, that paperwork and things of that nature. So mm -hmm. that's what the 23 meetups are. And we've just really enjoyed talking to people, getting to know them and, um, just helping them along in the process. And be, and it all started really because it's something that I didn't have when I started the business. Um, I didn't really have someone to sit down and talk with me and say, okay, where are you in the process? Here's how to get to the next step. Um, and so that's really what we're doing for people with the 23 meetups. So it's just been a really great experience so far. And, and now with those, do you end up like upselling them to clients or is it kind of really just more like a free consultation? So it's a free consultation. What we do ask is that when we consult with you, that you don't currently have a designer or that you're working with an agency. Uh -huh. um, and so if you decide that we are the best fit for you while we're talking and we're kind of consulting and giving you tips on what should be the next step, if you decide to work with us, that's always excellent. That's always a, a good thing. That's always a plus. Um, however, that's not mandatory. It's not kind of contingent on, hey, you have to work with us if we kind of give you these nuggets. Not at all. We really do want to give back to the community and let people know that there's support available. And the meetups have gone well so far, I take it? Pretty they good. have. They have. I think, again, I think a lot of times people are just looking for answers. They're looking for that next step. They don't always have um, the, you know, the, the resources sometimes just to get in and just talk to somebody for an hour. Listen, I just want to talk. I just want someone to tell me I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. I want someone to tell me that fluorescent pink and orange are not the best brand colors. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and that's what we do. You'd be surprised. We have these, you know, uh, talks with people and sometimes they go really well as far as, Hey, you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. All you need to do is fill out your paperwork and, start that LLC and get started. You've already got sales, you know, in the pipeline. And then other people we sit down and talk with and we come away from the table going, maybe you're probably, you know, this isn't your passion. It sounds like you're just trying to do something to make money. Right. Yeah. And it probably is not going to be as successful. What is your real passion? And then we end up talking to people for 30 minutes or an hour about their true passion. And they walk away going, wow, I really thought I was going to start a cupcake bakery. I don't even like to bake. Right. So um, <laughs> you'd be surprised. And, you know, hey, I really want to, you know, start a, uh, 
you know, I really want to build websites. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm good at. Okay, let's shift things a little bit. So uh, they have been going really well. I think people are really open to them and um, just really appreciative to get that one-on-one attention with someone who's going to kind of break it down and be honest with them because it's not contingent upon that, you know, hourly retainer. Walk me through a typical day for you with 20 and three, like from start to finish, I guess. Oh my gosh. They're never typical. They're never, they're <laughs> never, they are never typical, but I will say, I think that's the thing that I love most about the business is every day is different. There's some days where I wake up and I jump on my computer and I've got 20 emails from clients and I'm making edits, right? Because for some reason, everyone decided they wanted to um, review their document on the same day, right? <laughs> um, and provide edits. So I'm, I'm just hammering away on edits. There are other days where I might do um, a client visit. I might go and sit down and have uh, a talk with somebody about their future plans and we might strategize about their brand. And I might try to schedule a couple of those on the same day, kind of to stay in that same vein, that same mindset. And then other days I do try my best to get out and network, whether it's uh, in my local community. Um, I'm in Southwest Fulton, um, Fulton County, and we're getting ready to be um, getting ready to annex and be our own city. And so, you know, they're starting um, up a lot of different groups for entrepreneurs. And so some days that's my focus is going out and talking to entrepreneurs in my area and finding out what is it they need? What is it that I can help out with? and passing out business cards and talking to people um, about, you know, being profitable just in general. So to be very honest, there isn't a typical day, but that's what I love about it. It's, it could be, you know, again, so many different things. Um, and again, because we specialize in a number of different things, photography and building websites and building brands, that it could be a photo shoot one day, or it could be, you know, just a full day of, I might have a deadline on a Friday, I have to get this website out and I might spend 10 hours straight just on a website. So I love it. I love every bit of it. And I love the fact that there's um, a little bit of everything thrown in there. That's that's the that's the pull for me. What drew you to doing branding as part of all of this? Um, <laughs> what's interesting is my my first love is photography. And so that's what I was into, first of all. And that's what I went to graduate school for. Uh, to specialize in was photography. Um, One of the things that I realized was, and I'm sure you can relate to this, sometimes you find your passion in what people are constantly pulling on you for, what people are asking you for. You might not realize it's necessarily a passion for you. It might just be something that you're naturally gifted towards and that you're naturally gifted for. And so for some reason, you know, I'd be on a photo shoot and someone would say, hey, well, this photo is really for my social media page. I'm starting this business, you know, and they'd start talking about it and I'd go, oh, wow, no, that's not, you know, or that sounds great. Let's, let's, you know, unpack that a little further. And I realized that that's what I was doing at the end of every photo shoot was kind of consulting with people about their brands and then saying, hey, well, let me throw a logo together for you. Let me put this together for you. Let me kind of play around with a website for you. You know, it sounds like, um, you are, you know, I, I kind of have an idea of what you're looking for. And they'd say, oh my God, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking about. That's exactly where, where I, you know, my vision was going. And then I, so I started thinking, wait a minute, why am I, I have the background for this. I have the background in graphic design. That's what I've been doing in corporate America. Why would I not incorporate this and be able to help people out and kind of create an entire package for somebody? So 
not just provide the photography for them, but if I can give them the photography for their social media profile and their Facebook page, and then I could also help them build their Facebook page and their website, right? And then I could also build that brand that goes on the website. Why not? And it makes it easier for people. And I think people feel like, you know, it's kind of like going to Walmart, right? You can get every, you can get your electronics there. You can get your cleaning supplies and mm-hmm. a t-shirt, right? <laughs> um, and I think that's the, the, the allure of 20 and three is you can come and sit down and we could talk about your branding, your photos and get your website done. And when you leave, you have everything you need to get started, your business cards and you're ready to go. And so for me, um, you know, that, that's kind of how it all ties in. How do you approach a new project? Let's say you are, mm-hmm. are working with a new client. Kind of walk me through what your process is. Wow. So the very first thing uh, we love to do is to sit down with people and have um, that consultation, that discovery consultation, and really figure out not only what their vision is um, you know, currently, but where are they trying to go in the future? Are we trying to franchise this thing? Are we trying to take this to a whole nother level? Are you really just wanting an Etsy shop, right? Where you make scarves and that's really all you want to do for the rest of your life. And you really don't want it to get too big. You really just want to, you know, have some money on the side. And so just that discovery um, consultation, we start there. And then after the discovery consultation, once we kind of pulled that information, we go into that research phase where we're looking at competition, we're looking at, um, uh, you know, other profiles online, um, comparable businesses and pulling out information of what's successful, what's not, kind of the things to stay away from, the things that we need to dive into. Um, and then I really do a deep dive on everything from color theory to who the audience is, the target audience, and then really try to figure out the best approach for that client. Um, and then if someone's going with us for kind of the total package, the photography, the website, um, the branding, um, we usually do uh, branding first and then move on to photography. And then we tie all that into the website. And then from the website after that comes, you know, once we launch that comes things like business cards and print print collateral and, and things like that. But that's really the process is that consultation is really the key part. Um, and then moving into the research for um, competitive and the uh, target audience as well. So now are there sort of particular types of clients that are best for you to work with? So far it's been small businesses, startups, um, solopreneurs, people that might, um, I use that cupcake bakery example all the time, but you know, someone who might um, be a private caterer or a private chef, um, a personal trainer, or someone who's starting a small business in their community. Um, that's usually um, the people who we're drawn to and the people who are drawn to us as well, because we like to kind of get people on the ground level and move from there, real estate agents, people like that. Um, but we also do have a number of corporate clients that we work with on a regular basis. Um, but that's more like our foundation, to be very honest. Those are the kind of the, the day-to-day projects that we work on. Um, but the entrepreneurs are really our sweet spot. That's really the, those are really the people that we love to help and, and see do really well and, and be profitable in their business. And Atlanta's a, a really good city for that. Perfect for that. Perfect for that. And, you know, just being in, you know, moving here from Dallas in uh, last November, that was a challenge. Um, so finding entrepreneurs and finding um, people who, um, you know, were ready to to work with me was was a little challenging. Being in Atlanta, Atlanta's very different. It's very diverse. Um, and so it hasn't been as much of a challenge. People just you got the talent. People are ready to work for, with you. 
Um, and so Atlanta has been a really good move for me. Um, and so I'm hoping that it's a good move for the people here in Atlanta that I'm able to help as well. Have you tapped at all um, into the design community here? I have not. You know, this is a great question. So um, that's definitely a next move. I'm going to have to do that. We do have people that we work with um, kind of subcontracting and things of that nature. We have a couple of people that kind of are go-to folks. Um, but for the most part, no, I have not really tapped into the design community and I need to do that. So I'm going to have to get some tips from you, Marnie. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I want to step back a little bit. You know, of course, mm-hmm. I've you know done my research on you and I saw that you attended uh, Howard University. I did. I did. Do tell I have to me, tell my age? No, I'm just no. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what your time was like there. So I have to be very honest. It was a bit of a culture shock for me. Um, okay. I would, when I attended um, private school here in Atlanta, and then I went away to a Quaker boarding school in um, for high school, so for four years in Pennsylvania. So that was a very different experience, very diverse Um Again, Quakers, you know, kind of like Quaker Oats, um, <laughs> the people like the guy you see on the Quaker Oats box, mm-hmm. but um, but just a very different um, environment, just a very different environment. And so to go from that to being on a, you know, 600 acre cornfield, you know, type of um, campus to the big city and Howard where everyone was, well, not everyone, but the, the majority of the people were African-American it was just very different and it was a wonderful experience. It's something that I had never experienced before outside of church, right? In my neighborhood. And so it was absolutely wonderful. There was so much talent in one place. Mm -hmm. There was so much gifting in one place. And it was kind of overwhelming to just see so many um, intelligent African-Americans. And I had not been privy to that before. Both of my parents graduated from Howard University and that was my pull. And they met, they met there. And so I was like, well, I want to, you know, I want to go to Howard. That's where mom and dad went, you know, and it seemed, seemed, you know, and of course the education was wonderful and all that, but um, it was, it was absolutely great. Again, culture shock. But when I got there, I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is life. There's so many intelligent people of color and it just opened up a whole nother world for me. Um, I just wasn't, that's just something I hadn't been privy to Um up until that time. And it's interesting, Atlanta is such a diverse place now um, where there's just so many people of so many races and um, backgrounds doing phenomenal things. And so that's why I just feel blessed to be here in Atlanta. Um, but that time in Howard kind of opened, was kind of where that my eyes opened to that. Just the fact that there were people of all races and nationalities that were talented and that were ready to go and that they had visions and they were um, just doing amazing things. And I hadn't had that opportunity before that. So Howard was, was, a was groundbreaking for me. What did you study at Howard? I studied, uh, journalism and photography. Okay. Oh yeah. That's right. You mentioned you, you kind of mm-hmm. cut your teeth there with photography. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for so, sure. and so now I know that, you know, Howard and, and I think, you know, we can both sort of speak on this, I think a little bit, cause we're both mm-hmm. HBCU grads. You went to Howard, mm-hmm. I went to Morehouse. Yeah. Um, now schools and, and well, not schools, companies are really looking at HBCUs now. Mm-hmm. So I guess sort of try to tap into that diverse talent and, and things of that nature. And I want to say it's happening with varying results. I think the latest I heard was uh, Google was opening something out in California called Howard West. 
which is supposed <laughs> to be I have like, heard about that, yes. Yeah, it's supposed to be like the West Coast version. <laughs> I mean, maybe not like a full yeah. institution, but no, right, right. But somewhere where Howard um, undergrads would go and they would study there right. and, and work under kind of, you know, the sort of tutelage of Google, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I feel like companies are going about reaching out to HBCUs in the wrong way. Okay, okay. Uh, to me, it feels like it's the sort of situation where they want to mine the resources, but mm-hmm. they don't want to till the land, if that makes any sense. Okay. No, that makes complete sense. Um, makes and, complete and, I, sense. and I think, you know, kind of we can both speak on this from an HBCU perspective. You know, there are always companies that are looking to schools like ours for the resources. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're not really putting anything back to keep the resources, I guess, coming, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. And I think that that is something that not only needs to be changed, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's a matter of, you know, how how we react and how we kind of jump into programs like that. So, you know, if Google is starting this Howard West and everyone jumps on board, they'll continue to do so. Right. I mean, there has to be there has to be some time where people kind of either pull back or demand more, right? So look, we'd love to send students out your way uh, to Howard West if, you know, for the small investment of whatever, you know, back into our community or back into our university or back into a scholarship fund here or, um, you know, whatever whatever that particular HBCU needs at the time. Um, But I think that that's kind of, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like that's our responsibility to be able to say, Look, this is what we need. We, you know, this this sounds like a wonderful project, but this is what we need in order to make this happen. But mm-hmm. I think so many times we're, you know, as a um, HBCU community, we get so excited that someone wants to do something with us, yeah. and we don't necessarily think about the ask on our end, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is wonderful. Google wants us, you know, um, and don't think about well, wait a minute, we're valuable, right? Morehouse is valuable. We've got talent, so. So, right, we're going to give them these resources, but then what do we get in return? And it's not that we should always, that's, you know, it's not like in life we should always be looking for someone to reciprocate. But I think in situations like this, that's, this is the perfect opportunity. Someone like Google has the resources to give back, right? Has the resources to make sure that, you know, as they're pulling from, you know, Morehouse, that they're also giving back. So I don't think there's a problem with asking. Yeah, I certainly don't think there's a problem in asking. I wish more schools would ask. I mean, I think it's one thing, like you said, to have this big company take interest in you and take interest in your students, but what does it mean for the longevity of the university if that happens or the, you know, in terms of, is it, is it a quid pro quo sort of situation Mm -hmm. or are they just going to keep sort of taking graduates or trying to woo graduates away? You know, there are, there are bigger schools. I know, you know, there are people I've interviewed before that have told me at some schools like Carnegie Mellon, for example, mm-hmm. there are classes that are essentially uh, feeder classes, so oh, to wow. speak, mm-hmm. where if you take this certain class and you make this certain grade, right. you're guaranteed to get an interview at this company. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. That's amazing. So, I mean, okay. if it's but with, yeah, but with that, I mean, the companies, I think, certainly have put in some level of of infrastructure, whether that's education or curriculum or or tools and software, but they put something back into the school to make that kind of situation, I guess, available, because not every school can say that, you know? Right. And that, well, to me, that sounds like it's something that's mutually beneficial, right? Exactly. It has to be mutually beneficial (laughs) for companies, well, no, for companies and for HBCUs, it has to be that. Right. 
Right. And that must be what Howard West is missing. <laughs> I'm assuming because I've, I've seen so many different opinions on it, you know, just reading, uh, reading up on it, whether it's articles or, you know, social media posts and tweets and things like that. Some people are like, this is awesome. And other people are like, wait a minute, you know, yeah. um, well, what's in it for us? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it's it's fair to look at it from, you know, both angles mm-hmm. in that way. Right. I agree. I agree. So you graduated Howard. Tell me kind of what your, your early career was like once you left. Oh, wow. So I started off my career with Children's National Medical Center, which was kind of right across the, the street, basically, from Howard University. And I worked there um, as an intern um, during my senior year of college. And that was really where I got started with branding and graphic design. It's interesting. Like I said, I, I my background and my first love was photography. Um, and that's how I was hired on there um, to kind of archive their photos and take pictures at events and things of that nature. But it kind of just was a natural flow. And it was like, hey, can you, um, you know, also work on this presentation for these people? Can you work? This department needs a new logo. Can you work with them on that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really just from the very beginning, I was kind of flowed into what I'd be doing now. So um, from there, it went on to um, I was kind of moving back and forth between Atlanta and D.C. Um, for uh, my career. Most of it was across healthcare, um, but I've just always loved all types of marketing um, and PR as well. So um, also went to graduate school at the Savannah College of Art and Design, okay. which was absolutely phenomenal. I would not give those years back. That was that was absolutely wonderful um, just to be in an environment it was so different than undergrad because grad school was kind of like you were there because you wanted to be there, mm-hmm. not because, you know, the right thing to do was to go to college. Right. You were there, you were there because it was like you really had a love for um, art and whatever your specialty was. So um, for me, that's really where I decided back in 2005, I've got to do this for a living. I've got to do this. Um, I got to have my own business. And so that was really where I started dreaming and, you know, just really wanting to have my own. Um, and so from there, of course, I just continued to work and continue to build up <clears throat> clientele and um, do photography and branding and things like that on the side. But um, it wasn't until 2000 and um, uh, let's see, 2016, really, that I really um, decided just to take that take that leap. So it's been an amazing journey been an amazing journey and it's interesting because everyone kind of has a different story mm-hmm. for how they got to entrepreneurship some people uh while this generation now they are i mean they graduate from school and they've already got you know clients lined up and they've got their own business they've got their own website because they're building them themselves they're so tech savvy um so it's so different you know just just looking at how career paths go from generation to generation but um it's just been interesting so you went to SCAD for your master's degree. How different was it from, from your time at Howard? SCAD was very different from my time uh, at Howard. I think the difference was at SCAD, people were truly invested in that opportunity. They wanted to be there. They had made that decision. It was very different than undergrad where kind of, you know, your parents might help you choose your major or they kind of lead you in a certain situation or not situation, but they kind of lead you in a, down a certain path because, you know, they're helping pay for it or helping you fill out your, you know, uh, financial aid information. And so they're kind of, everyone kind of has their own opinion. Graduate school is very different. You go there because that's exactly what you want to do. It's very focused. And so SCAD was 
one of those places where everyone was always collaborating, whether it was in the cafeteria or the library or in the uh, CG lab, um, whether it was a, a, a tutorial, there were lines, you know, you had to almost fight to get into t extra tutorials, which is something that I never experienced in undergrad. And then too, I think in undergrad, people were kind of looking for that holistic experience with, you know, the social scene and the, 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 af the athletics and all of that um, and parties and things like that. But in graduate school, there just wasn't any of that at all. And maybe mine school was different. Maybe SCAD was different. But people were truly there to get the information and to excel and to be profitable. And because just because of a love for art, and because of a love for what they wanted to do with their lives. And so it was a very different experience than undergrad. And so I encourage anybody that has the opportunity to do so. Of course, my student loan um, account is, is still ongoing, but uh, because <laughs> of it, but um, but I will say that it was totally worth it. It was yeah. totally worth, you know, having that uh, extra expense for um, grad school because that experience was second to none. I would not give that back at all. What would you say have kind of been the fundamentals that have played into your success as a designer? Well, one of the things that has played into my success, I think, is that I am, I love giving clients exactly what they want. However, so I guess I can't say exactly. I love giving clients what they want. However, I'm not afraid to say, let's look at this another way. Let's uh, maybe let's explore this. So of course, you can't just tell a client, you know, hey, this is not going to work at all um, because that might have been someone's vision since they were five or something like that. Right. So you don't want to just kind of be a dream crusher. Uh, but at the same time, I think as a designer, it's our responsibility to let people know this is probably not the best plan for you. This is probably not the best way to go if you're wanting to be profitable. Let's look at it another way. And so I'm able to do that without offending people, without making people feel like I'm, you know, coming down on them and just let people know like from an area of expertise, listen, you're this is what you're paying your money for. You're paying me to not only design for you, but to be very honest with you because, you know, at the end of the day, when you go out to market, I want you to be successful. I want you to be profitable. I want people to look at this brand and be able to connect with it, right? I want them to be lifelong customers or clients. Um, and so for me, I feel like that has been um, a real winner for me is just being able to talk to people and communicate with people and let them know what I think the best course of action is. And, and of course, I'm able to take instructive criticism too. So that helps. I don't, you know, get in my feelings when it comes to, um, you know, people not liking something or wanting to kind of take things a different way. But I think that's helped me out a lot. Um, and then clean design. I absolutely love clean design. Um, and I, I think simplicity is always better. I don't know. I've looked at your work as well, and I know that you would agree with me. Um, so, you know, clean design, mm -hmm. um, not having so much clutter everywhere. I think sometimes people just kind of have so much information in their head. They want to do so much, right? Um but just making sure that things are pared down and things are simple. And I think a lot of that comes from my Quaker education um, for board, from boarding school. But, you know, that was their whole mantra was, um, you know, simplicity is, is better. You know, simple is better. So um, I, I really do carry that into my design work. So I think that really has aided me um, and kind of made me stick out a little bit from um, a lot of other designers. What keeps you motivated and inspired with the work that you do? Besides paying rent, Maurice, and um, no, <laughs> car note, uh, no, um, no, seriously. So, um, no, yeah, obviously we have to uh, take care of those things. But I think what keeps me motivated is 
when I started my business, I did not have the support. I did not have, um, and when I say that, I don't mean people were just like poo-pooing on my idea. I mean, I didn't really know where to go for support, right? I really didn't know who to talk to. I just knew I got to do this. I have to make this happen and, you know, by any means necessary. But I didn't really know that there were organizations out there um, that were ready to help. I didn't really know that there were other companies that would share information. Um, you know, just speaking to you, you know, a couple of months ago, we spoke and you were very open and saying, hey, yeah, no, call this person or uh, check this out. Or, hey, I, you know, I'd love for you to be able to um, to learn more about this. Go to this website. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even know that was available. And I didn't know that there were people like you that actually were willing to help other businesses. Right. Um, and so for me, that's what keeps me motivated is knowing that I'm paying it forward and that I'm helping other people. I'm helping other people get started with their dreams and their visions um, and helping people be profitable and being able to, you know, take care of their bills and, and pay for their child to go to school because I help them out with their business. That's what keeps me motivated every day. Just knowing that I'm a part of someone's dream, just like you're a part of mine and um, just like other people are a part of what I'm doing on a regular basis. And it's just absolutely wonderful. That's what keeps me motivated. Okay. And you do a lot of mentoring too, from what I could see from, from looking at your LinkedIn profile, from your perspective, how do we kind of get that next generation of, of kids excited and interested in design? Well, so it's, Oh my gosh. So it's amazing. Um, at my church, we are starting, um, I go to impact uh, a church. Um, over on Sylvan Road, and they are actually starting, it's amazing, they're starting a coding class for kids. And um, these kids are like soaking this stuff up. I mean, they're they're coding like, you know, 10-year veterans, right? Um, and they're, they're really into this. The difference is they do this stuff on their phones, they do this stuff on tablets, and they are, you know, this is the, these are kids that were, when they were babies, they knew how to, you know, swipe left and right and type in their mom's code and play these games. And so they're just the, the technology now is just so amazing. Um, but I think to be honest with you, Maurice, these kids are really soaking up this technology. They love designing, they love coding, they love, um, just kind of being a part of this whole revolution. And so I think it's letting them, we need to let them know what the actual opportunities are. Because I think right now they're just doing it for fun, right? They've got 5,000 followers on IG, they, you know, Instagram. They're knowing, you know, they're having a good time. They're talking back and forth with their peers. I don't think they necessarily know, well, not all of them. I don't think they necessarily realize, look, you can do this for a living. You can, you know, you can do this. You can go to school for this. You can actually be a graphic designer. You can build websites and make money. Um, but right now they're so technology uh, savvy so many of them are just doing it for fun because it comes so easy to them because of how they grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really the key, whether it's starting programs or whether it's, you know, when I go out and speak to different organizations, um, if there are kids present, present, letting them know you too can do this. This is an actual profession, you know, whether it's graphic design or coding or web design or, um, you know, building brands, you can do this being a photographer. Uh, you know, think about Instagram. There are kids who you go and look at their profiles I mean, they're like Ansel Adams. You're like, how are these kids doing this? And they're doing it with their iPhones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but they're doing it for fun. A lot of them don't even realize that they can be doing it um, on a uh, on a regular basis. So it's some, there's some way, to be very honest, I'm saying this because I don't necessarily have the exact solution, but there's got to be some way where we can teach the children and teach these t- teens that 
this could be a business for you. And this could be not only a hobby or a passion, but something that you use to take care of yourself for the rest of your life. I think that's the key. Yeah, I like that that sort of notion of, of of what you just said. You know, it's about making sure that you're building for the next generation, making sure that it's easier for them than it was for us right. coming up. And I think for them, you know, there's so many more tools and oh, yeah. courses and classes and stuff. There's no shortage of places to begin. But it sounds like from what you're saying, the most important thing is just to get started. Just get started. Always just get started. I think that's what hinders us so much because we don't know what the next step is, right? So what do I need to do next? I want to start this business. I want to be a web designer. I want to be a real estate agent, whatever it is. I want to jump out on my own, right? I'm working this nine to five. It's okay. It pays my bills, but my true passion is this, whatever it is. Um, but I think we fear holds us back so much and everyone has a, you know, a, a certain amount there, but I think we get overwhelmed by fear and then too, just the lack of knowledge, the lack of understanding, knowing what that next step is. And I think if we can all figure out or help each other to figure out, or, um, just kind of help kind of hold each other's hand as we move through this and say, listen, just take a step, just, you know, I, sometimes I tell people, you know, just for fun, go on, go on domain names or GoDaddy or whatever it is, go on Squarespace and see if, and pick a domain, see if your domain's available. And for some people, it's amazing just buying that domain, even if it's just for the one year for $3.99 or whatever it is, gets people thinking like, oh my gosh, I have my own website. Like there, there's no website there, right? It's just a domain name, but there it's like, it opens up a whole new world for them because they feel like I did something right. Go downtown, fill out the paperwork, pay your money, get your LLC, just do something. Go to the, go to the library and research names, figure out, you know, you wanted to call yourself this, figure out if there may be there, you know, 10 other companies with that same name, figure out what works for you. Just do something. Um, I think that is kind of the biggest takeaway that, that I can provide is do something because once you take that first step, it automatically opens the door for that next step. You can't take that first step without then not taking another step. Right. Um, and I think that that was where, you know, I, you know, what hindered me was just taking that first step. Just when I put in my resignation, Maurice, at my nine to five corporate America job, I was working for a health care organization. I was making about $80,000 a year doing well for myself. I'm single, no kids. Well, I'm not single now, but I'm at the time I was single, no kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was just like, I was freaking out. I was like, okay, I'm going to submit this resignation, but I don't know what to do. I'm like, how am I going to eat God? You know, I need money, insurance. What if I get sick? What if I need a tooth pulled? Right. So you're thinking about all these things. And, but I took that first step. I printed out that resignation. I walked in and I was talking to my VP and I almost had tears in my eyes. I'm thinking, what are you doing, RJ? You know, you're supposed to do this, but this is crazy. <laughs> and I handed him the resignation and he got quiet and he kind of looked at it and he, and he knew a little bit about my background and what I wanted to do. And he got quiet and then he just said, can we be your first client? <laughs> I was like, you sure can. Let me get you a contract before you change your mind. Um, and so that really was my foundation. It was like, that was almost like God's way of saying, I've got you, just take the first step. And so my first step was submitting my resignation. And once I did that, I had my first corporate client and those corporate clients pay on time. They pay automatically. And it was, it was wonderful. Right. And then I've just been able to get other jobs from those corporate, that corporate client. Um, and so it was just about taking that first step. And once I did that, all these other doors opened up and it was absolutely amazing. And again, like I said, at the beginning, it was a little bit rocky at first, 
But once I got out there and realized you can do this, you can do this. You wouldn't have been given these gifts uh, for no reason. So taking that first step, Maurice, I think is absolutely key. And I'm sure you can attest uh, to the same thing of just getting out there and, and starting somewhere. Oh, yeah. When I when I uh, left my job in uh, in 08, it was very much the same thing. I just had to step out on a leap of faith and right. and quit because I couldn't do it anymore. Right. And, you know, I, like you said, like the first year is kind of rough. But mm-hmm. then eventually, you know, you find a groove, you sort of pull it together. And now, right. you know, it, it's been a little over eight years now since I've had my, my studio. It's- so it is one of those things where you just kind of have to not be scared. What I right. found is that when you take that leap, oftentimes the community that you need will start to form around you. That's it. Like, like a, a trust fall. Yeah, like, <laughs> like a yeah, big it fall. is. It is like a trust <laughs> fall, especially if they know what you've been through to get right. to that point. Right. I agree. That's a great metaphor. Yeah, you know what? That's we're gonna we're gonna use that, Maurice. Okay. That's it. No, I, I like what you just said. You said <laughs> when you took no seriously when you take the leap, that's when the foundation and that's when the support system starts to cre- to form. Because yeah. I mean, if you don't take the leap, people don't even know how to help you, right? Exactly. They don't know exactly. what to do, that's what kind exactly of assistance you need. But you've taken the leap, and you're like, listen, I quit my job. I need this help with this. And they're like, hey, I can help you with that. Or I can connect you with this, with this person. Yeah. So I think that that's, I mean, that's key. That's, that's a golden nugget right there, Maurice. Take the leap and your foundation and your support system will form. That's awesome. Do you feel like you're satisfied creatively? I do. I feel like, well, let me say this. I am constantly, constantly online, in the library, um, you know, in forums, in webinars, trying to learn more because I, I, I do, I feed off of others and just learning that, um, there's so much out there that I don't know. Of course I'm successful with what I'm doing now, but oh my goodness, there's so much more out there to grab a hold onto and so many more techniques and platforms and apps. And there's so much out there. Um, so yes, I'm satisfied, but I will say that when I wake up in the morning, I I have to get my daily dose of, what else is out there in the world? What am I missing? What else? What other technology is out there that I'm not uh, privy to? I, I love learning. I love jumping on a webinar and going, wow, I didn't even know they did that. Who does that? You know, those types of things. So, so yes, I'm satisfied, but I do need my, my daily dose or my weekly dose of uh, what else is going on in the world because, you know, I just don't want to miss anything. Don't miss I, anything. I hear you. Well, RJ, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything online? www.20and3.com. So that's T-W-E-N-T-Y-A-N-D and the number three. So 20and3.com. And then we're also on Instagram at uh, 20and3 as well. T-W-E-N-T-Y-A-N-D, the number three. All right. Sounds good. Well, RJ Harrington, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing kind of the story of, of how you started 23andMe. Um, I think what really kind of came across to me, and hopefully I, I hope that it comes across to the audience as well, is that you have this real unbridled enthusiasm for the work mm-hmm. that you're doing. I love it. Like it's, it's not, it's not a, a fake thing. It's not you putting on airs. Like it's, you're genuinely super excited about the work that you're doing. And, you know, like you said, you have to kind of just step out there on faith when it comes to these kinds of things. You do. Oftentimes we don't really know how far we can stretch ourselves until we get out of that comfort zone. And what it sounds like to me is that 
you stepped out of that comfort zone, if you could call it a comfort zone. No, definitely. I'm stepping out from, from corporate America and like now you found your calling because I mean, it just comes through in everything that you're doing that this is what you were meant to do. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Maurice, for having me. Thoughts of love are in And that's it for this week. Big thanks to RJ Harrington and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about RJ and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as showing how internal design critiques work at Facebook, sharing resources about VR and other cutting-edge tech, and by giving away great tools and resources like Origami Studio, popular device templates for Photoshop and Sketch, and even diverse hands for mock-ups. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 15 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to grow sales and make money in their sleep. MailChimp has really grown from being just an email service provider to becoming your one-stop place for marketing your business. You know, like I said at the top of the show, they just opened up automation free for every single customer, which completely changes the game no matter what you're using MailChimp for, whether you're just sending out basic newsletters, whether you're doing e-commerce or anything else. So get everything you need all in one place and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp, send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. With free private domain registration and your choice of domains across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there, how can you turn that down? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. Visit siteground.com forward slash revision path and get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, please do me a huge favor. First, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two and it really, really helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings there for Design Podcasts and I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. You know, now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. Pledge level started just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.